chapter eight of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa newshed carey this librivox recording is in the public domain tis a love token i reckon it is in men as in soils where sometimes there is a vein of gold which the owner knows not of dean swift marcus i have an idea olivia had been sitting for some time in a brown study staring into the red caverns where the yellow fire-elves were beating out their rainbow gold on their glowing hissing anvils it was in the gloaming and the little sitting-room was warm and cosy dot was on her mother's lap toasting her pink toes gleefully and chuckling over them in baby fashion and marcus who had finished his day's work had left off trying to read by the light of the flickering flame and was indulging in a furtive doze he roused up when olivia's clear voice broke the silence marcus do you hear me i have such a nice plan is it a riddle he returned lazily i give it up then he contemplated his small daughter with much satisfaction i wonder none of you advanced women have ever turned your attention to baby language he observed presently we are studying the ape vocabulary you know dot has got quite a little language of her own as far as i can make out each sentence is finished off with a gurgle do something between the gobble-gobble of a turkey and the coo of the ring-dove i suppose it all means something means something and olivia kissed the little rings of curly hair with passionate fondness of course my girlie means something i understand her as well as possible she is scolding the fire because it has burnt her dear little toes look she is showing them to me naughty fire to burn my baby and thereupon followed one of those maternal and infantine duets which appear such hopeless jargon to the masculine mind to marcus it had a lulling effect his eyes began to blink drowsily again but olivia who had passed a solitary day was not disposed for silence you are not a bit curious about my plan dear she said presently i've been thinking so much of that sad sad speech of mr gaythorne's yesterday i cannot bear to think of him alone all christmas day with only the ghosts of happier years to haunt him there is no need for him to be alone returned marcus coolly he could invite us to supper why don't you propose it livy you seem to say anything that comes into your head a good bowl of steaming punch would drive all the grey and black spirits away i would undertake to amuse him but olivia only looked at him rebukingly marcus it is so tiresome that you will always joke when i want to be serious now do give me a straightforward answer if you can shall you have any visits to pay on christmas day my dear child how can you expect me to answer in that off-hand way and without consulting my visiting list well if you must know as olivia uttered an impatient exclamation i shall have to go up to the models 
after tea to see that poor woman who was confined yesterday the baby is not likely to live and then i shall look in on travers i don't suppose i shall be out more than an hour oh that will do nicely returned his wife in a satisfied tone marcus do you know i have made up my mind to pay mr gaythorne a surprise visit on christmas evening we are always back by six and i know he does not dine until half-past seven do you think i dare venture you see i have never been without an invitation yet and you actually mean to beard the lion in his den and douglas in his hall spouted marcus and then in his ordinary voice well you might try it if you like but i should not be surprised if you got snubbed christmas ghosts have a ghastly effect and rub a man up the wrong way oh i will take my chance of that returned olivia cheerfully now i will put dot to bed and leave you to finish your nap in peace thank goodness was on the tip of marcus's tongue but he refrained and only curled himself up afresh in his easy chair he had sat up late over his books the previous night wasting lamp oil and coals as his wife had remarked rather severely and the cold air with a touch of frost in it had made him sleepy olivia had been bristling all day like a blissful porcupine with little plans and surprises first she had actually saved out of aunt madge's christmas gift enough money to buy marcus another of thackeray's novels last christmas she had given him the newcombs and this year she had fixed on esmond marcus was devoted to thackeray and thirsted for a complete set of his works but at present only vanity fair and the newcombs were on his modest bookshelves neither the husband nor wife thought it right to spend even those few shillings on the purchase of books when they could make use of the free library the new copy of esmond looked decidedly inviting with its clean uncut pages and then there was really a handsome work-bag for aunt madge fashioned by olivia's skilful fingers out of a yard of cretonne olivia had already received her christmas presents and had nothing to expect her new outfit and dot's police and martha's wages were all birthday and christmas gifts nevertheless when marcus came on christmas eve to hang up their scanty store of holly he was met by his wife's excited face oh marcus she exclaimed i thought you would never come home there is such a hamper from galveston house and i am waiting for you to open it and oh do you know dear aunt madge has sent us some of her delicious mince pies and a christmas cake she is a good old soul returned marcus fervently by the by olive could not we have supper earlier for this sharp air and it is freezing hard let me tell you has made me as hungry as a hunter and as olivia conceded this point graciously he was induced to follow her to the small kitchen where martha all smiles and excitement awaited them martha had her best dress on for she was going round to her mother's presently with her little store of christmas gifts a red knitted shawl for her mother and half a pound of tea a comforter for her father and some warm cuffs for the boys and gingerbread nuts and some oranges for the children to which olivia had added a bag of mixed sweets martha's round eyes widened with amazement when the hamper was opened and a plump turkey and a fine york ham came to view 
there were also half a dozen bottles of old port wine for dr luttrell with mr gaythorne's compliments and a box of candied fruit and a jar of preserved ginger for his wife oh marcus is not this kind olivia's voice was almost awestruck her acquaintance with turkeys had hitherto been strictly limited to a partial view of their limp bodies as they dangled above her in the poulterers shops now her little larder would be filled to overflowing shall i step across and thank him while you put those things away suggested marcus and as olivia agreed to this he caught up his hat and vanished when everything was safely stowed away and martha had been made supremely happy by the gift of two men's pies for her mother and had trotted off red in the face with excitement olivia busied herself in getting the supper ready the unsightly remains of a cold shoulder of mutton had been transformed into tempting rissoles olivia always treated her husband to a hot supper on christmas eve potatoes cooked in their coats and a couple of deborah's mince pies finished off the menu to which marcus did ample justice afterwards he hung up their holly and then olivia fetched her work-basket and marcus went on with the novel that he was reading aloud and both of them looked at the clock in amazement when martha's modest ring told them the evening was over when marcus put on his new greatcoat the next morning he shrugged his shoulders as he opened the front door instead of the frost he had expected the icy coldness of the air and the heavy aspect of the wintry sky were premonitory signs of a snowstorm it is hardly fit for you to go out he said as olivia joined him but she only smiled at him her vigorous young strength was proof against the cold we must hurry marcus she said briskly or we shall be late and i want to enjoy my christmas service for she had already arranged to take care of dot during the morning while martha went to church marcus had his rounds and would fetch her in time for the early dinner at maybrick villas the quiet service in the warm well-lighted church was very soothing and refreshing as olivia knelt beside her husband her heart swelled with thankfulness for countless blessings i have not deserved to be so happy she said to herself as she thought of her two treasures martha had breakfast ready for them on their return and olivia hurried upstairs to take off her hat she was just stepping into the dining-room when marcus caught hold of her and blindfolded her playfully no you are not to look yet he said teasingly there is a surprise in store for you but as he took his hands from her eyes she uttered a little cry of ecstasy on the breakfast-table propped up with books was a small framed picture the very cornfield with the brown baby asleep under the hedge and the old terrier guarding it that she had so admired a card with mr gaythorne's compliments and christmas greeting was beside it what do you think of your friend now livy but olivia seemed to have no answer ready her lips trembled and the tears gathered in her bright eyes marcus who was almost as pleased as she was patted her on the shoulder kindly and bade her pour out the coffee but for a long time olivia could not be induced to go on with her breakfast if only i could take it to show aunt madge she said at last but marcus negatived this at once the picture was heavy and the damp cold air might injure it that was a happy morning to olivia as she played with dot and then sang her to sleep when marcus came home he told her to wrap up as warmly as possible 
the damp quite gets into one's bones he said and even olivia owned that it was disagreeably cold aunt madge received them with her usual kind welcome but she looked at her niece with a queer expression livy she said i feel as though i were living in the days of aladdin and his wonderful lamp i had to pinch myself this morning to be sure i was not dreaming what do you think our dear old magician has done now and as she pointed to the table beside her olivia saw the picture of the ruined church and the old shepherd in his tattered smock tis a love token i reckon repeated aunt madge but her voice was not quite steady as for olivia the tears were fairly running down her face dear aunt madge i do love him for this what do you think he has sent me the picture of the cornfield that i described to you and such a hamper of good things yes and a brace of pheasants have come to me livy do you know what that picture means to me i have just been feasting my eyes on it all the morning i mean to get an easel and stand it at the foot of my couch with that indian scarf of mine just draped over it won't it cheer me up on one of my bad days when i can't read or work and even thinking is too hard for my poor head tis a love token i reckon i shall just say that to myself marcus i shall have to pay that visit observed olivia desperately oh dear if only we could do something in return for him don't laugh at me you tiresome boy it is all very well for you you are doing him a good turn every day that is why it is so grand to be a doctor but aunt madge and i want to have our share too take off your hat livy interrupted aunt madge for i hear deb dishing up the dinner and marcus looks blue in the face with cold and hunger and at this reminder olivia hurried mrs broderick always gave them the same dinner a roast fowl and a piece of boiled ham with plum pudding and mince pies to follow but deborah's cookery always gave it a different and most delicious flavour when dinner was over they sat by the fire and roasted chestnuts and talked softly to each other while aunt madge dozed she roused up when deb brought in the tea-things and chatted in her old bright way but marcus's professional eyes detected lassitude and in spite of her entreaties took his wife away rather earlier than usual livy observed aunt madge as her niece stooped over her to kiss her i have not been able to write a note of thanks to mr gaythorne yet but will you tell him that i have not had such a christmas gift as that since my husband left me and that i have been praying for him off and on all day that he may have his heart's desire there tell him that and then she sank back wearily on her pillows End of chapter eight